Welcome to Nerdy Latinas Podcast. This is Sabrina, and I'm here with my co-host, Short Latina. And today, our guest is Francisco Martinez, also known as Pancho or Ponch, is an established campaign worker born and raised on the south side of Chicago. Francisco is a first-generation American growing up in a majority Spanish-speaking household. He has worked on campaigns on all levels, helping run statewide campaigns, federal congressional campaigns, municipal and city council races. Francisco has worked with progressive organizations such as Sunrise Movement, Justice Democrats, Indivisible, Planned Parenthood, Emily's List, our revolution, among many others on his work as a field director in D.C. for Ed Lazier, candidate for D.C. Council at large. Thank you, Pancho, so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you. Uh, how's your day been going? You know, it's a long campaign day. You know, we're getting closer to Election Day. How many days until Election Day today? 22. 22. Do you feel the pressure? I, it's a pressure that I'm used to. It's always, I think it's more of the anxiety that, you know, you always look at it as a deadline, so like the deadline's coming, we have three weeks left, all the work that we're doing, it's going to come down to election day, so. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your job and what role you take in uh, campaigns. So I always say this to everybody in a jokey way. I basically am the person in charge, the people who like make phone calls, the people who knock on your door, and now more recently, the people who send you a text message about a campaign. As field director, my job is to like narrow down the universe or the list of people that we want to contact, um, either by, by phone, by text, by door, in one way or another. I'm the one, it's my fault that everybody gets annoyed. So, I mean, just a little background for our listeners. I have known Pancho, uh, I know Pancho through my older sister, Samantha, and they went to high school together. And so, Pancho, I, I know a little bit about you, but I actually don't know what led you to go into this field. Could you tell us a little bit more about what led you to do this work? I always say that it runs in my blood. Obviously, like you said, like you read in my introduction, you know, I'm a first generation American here, U.S. born. My whole family is from Michoacan, from both sides of my families, you know, from my mom's side. My grandfather, Valente, he was the party chairman for like 12 years back in the day. You know, he ran for mayor, he lost, but he always continued his work in politics, not because he wanted to be mayor or because he wanted to be somebody, but it was his way of, you know, being able to help people in that sense. And then on my father's side, uh, my, uh, my abuelito, Beto, he worked his whole life as a public servant working for what would be the Secretary of Agriculture, worked his whole life, ensured that people were able to get resources so that they're able to start a lot of projects. And then when he retired, you know, came back to our hometown and turns out that, you know, the, the guy that had won the mayoral race that year wanted him to be city clerk. So then, you know, my grandfather came out of retirement and also, you know, came and, you know, did some work for the city, for our municipality. And then, you know, he retired. But, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I've always seen politics as a way to help people. You know, I used to work for a non-for-profit and, like, you know, we would be able to go out and, like, um, you know, we can go out and feed 50 people every single Friday. And that's great, but it doesn't solve the issue of, like, poverty, it doesn't solve the issue of homelessness, it doesn't solve the issue you know, of why people are there, which is, you know, it's kind of like a little band-aid to the actual overall problem, um, to, you know, to the to this huge problem that we have, to the many problems that we have, 
Um, so, you know, making those policy changes, you know, from the top is like, un unless we change it from the top, you know, we're not really going to fix the problem. Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I didn't know you had such a long family history in, in politics, but now honestly, it comes to no surprise that uh, you've continued with this line of work. And, you know, in running campaigns, you know, the purpose of this episode is really to touch on voting. Can you tell us what voting means to you, Pancho? Voting for me is is something that it's always been for, especially for Latino families, for immigrant families, has always been a privilege. My parents were immigrants. They weren't able, able to vote. And at the end of the day, like people are always making decisions for us, um, even when we don't even notice them. It's my right to go out and like make sure that the right people are making the decisions. Same thing happened when I was growing up. You know, my parents made my decisions of where I should go to school, where I should, you know, be doing this. You know, should I be doing that? Should I play soccer? You know, can I? Do I have the chance to go and you know even to eat? Like they're they're the ones. You know, I I didn't get a vote. Now that you know. I'm I'm an adult. I'm over 18, and I'm able to like make a decision on like this woman, this this person to come out and represent me because the person that's you know been there, the person that's there, he's not representing me. So my vote, along with other people' votes, come together to pick somebody who will actually represent the community, who understands our problems. Uh, for me, more than anything, it's a privilege to be able to mandate who I get to pick. You're definitely right. We have many nonprofits in the city of Chicago that are all collectively trying to help the community, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say to community organizations, nonprofits that do not take a political stance? Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Sharon Latina. I think like in simple terms, like, you know, they're out there because they believe that, you know, doing a service to the community is helping the community. Like, and I think that I don't know if it's because they're just disillusioned or because there's there's a lack of resources. Even organizing campaigns is like a full-time job for me. Just like being a, a community organizer is a full-time for them. And unfortunately, there's not enough resources to go around to, you know, be able to make the change, you know, be at every city council meeting and, you know, and push for a change. Like they're doing their part by, you know, making sure that like services are still being given. A lot of people don't know about the resources that the city or state have. And it really comes down to like what organizations are able to do. When I used to work in non-for-profits is that there's a lot of strings attached from the organizations because they're getting this funding from the state 
or you know they're getting from this so they have to stay apolitical but you know it's definitely there's i think there's definitely a room for you know organizations that you know don't want to get into politics but you know as long as they keep working like i'm fine with that you also touched on the on the fact that if you don't like who's representing you at that time at that moment you have the choice to choose someone else right what happens when there is no one that is representing your values and we can see this specifically in the i'm from the i live in the 14th ward here in chicago for it's a primarily hispanic neighborhood i'm being represented by a guy named edward my god that guy's been in office for like ever exactly he's been he (laughs) holds two records the first record is for being the youngest ever elected Chicago Council member, alderman ever elected in the history of Chicago, he's been the youngest one, like 22 or 23. He now holds the record for being the longest serving alderman in the city of Chicago. Wow. He has 50 years, and his district is not what it looks like today. The people who don't necessarily see themselves to value is is because they get discouraged, you know. They have this guy who's been there for 50 years, who basically, every time somebody tries to run, there's this, in Chicago, it's easy to run for office. The hardest part to do is get on the ballot. Mm. And so, like, people have, it's not that people don't run for office, it's that it's just so hard to run for office. You know, the biggest challenge, at least in Chicago, is getting their name to be printed on the ballot and say that they're they're running against this guy. So there's, like, there's a lot of issues that come with maybe he wasn't the right, it wasn't his moment, it wasn't her moment. You know, it wasn't, you know, the, the neighborhood's not changing or, the, you know, the neighborhood doesn't want to change. But at the end of the day, like, it's more than that. Um, it's, you know, access to, res- again, access to resources. Like, you know, this guy at Burke has $3 million in his campaign finance account. Well, you know, somebody is able to fundraise $50,000. Like, there's a huge gap that, you know, people need to cover because he can literally, he sends me birthday cards every single year. <laughs> Isn't isn't this man the one that was in like a like a bribery scandal? So spill the tea. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like well, one he's Trump's lawyer. He was Trump's tax tax accountant here in Illinois. Um, so that's that's like a, that's a huge one. We're we're both like what? what? <laughs> you guys, and this is a coincidence. I think this is a coincidence. Um, you guys remember the Lachlan McDonald shooting? It actually happened in the 14th Ward. Um, mm. He got shot in front of the Burger King on Pulaski. Yeah, that's where he got shot. Mm-hmm. So that Burger King was looking to remodel. You know, this is you know completely separate from Macon McDonald. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Power. Um, that, but that specific you know that specific Burger King wanted to remodel. They needed permits, and so they went to the to their alderman, which happens to be at Burke. And the alderman office basically said, you know, like, oh, we can help you, but you know, we need to be. He has his own private firm where he's a he's a tax attorney uh, lawyer, and so he basically said, like, well, I need your business, and I'll give you, you know, your permits that you need. Mm-hmm. And and when I need campaign money, you're going to give me campaign money. So that's one of the things that, you know, he got caught, you know, there's tapes and everything. That's why they raided his office because he got caught, you know, doing that. He is being indicted. He's not on trial yet, but, you know, he's pleading that he's done everything right. Um, even though there's tapes, the affidavits are there. And that's called that's- racketeering. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Which is very common in Chicago. To- <laughs> 
<laughs> to say the least. We do have a history of that too, but that would be a whole other episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the resources that I use is vote411.org. It is an amazing resource. You are able to plug in your home address and it will give you personalized voting information. It will tell you where the nearest polling location is. It will also have candidate information. Um, you can see what's going to be on your ballot, which is a question that we get a lot. So not only is the presidential election, but there's other seats voting propositions um, and other things that could be local to your city um, that you'll be voting on. So that's a great resource for you to go in and take a look. And that's one of the things that I'm encouraging all of the Latina Vote followers is to plan ahead. Uh, this year, I think more than ever, that's one of the messages that you've seen kind of across all social media uh, efforts is planning ahead, planning your vote. Um, so whether that be identifying a date that you're going to go vote, finding your polling location, plugging that into Google Maps so you have easy to follow directions to get there, selecting uh, even your time. You know, there's been a long wait time at some of the polling locations, finding out what's on your ballot and trying to figure out, you know, how you're going to go ahead and, and cast your ballot. I think that's one of the, the best things that you can do um, is to plan ahead. to do some research and find out what will be on your ballot, research the candidates. Um, And so one of the things I encourage everyone to do is to to research the candidates, take a look at their uh, specific websites. Um, They will have policy information on there. I know a lot of other voting uh, platforms like Voto Latino gives out uh, great information on um, some some of the candidates. You can go to vote.org and vote411.org, and those resources also will direct you to some websites where you can take a look at candidate information as well. One of the recommendations that I give is to write a list of some of the topics that are important to you and why those are important, whether it be education, healthcare, immigration. Take a look at that and really take some time and spend some time to see why those issues are important and then use that to research the candidates and see where they fall in line with those issues. Um, One of the things with Latina Vote is I wanted to make sure that it was as nonpartisan as possible. My main goal is to encourage everyone to go and vote. However, I do have my my personal opinions and I think that this election is extremely important. I can't think of another year where we've had so many things going on. We've had the pandemic um, and the response to that leading to more than 200,000 people dead. That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for the families. And I personally have lost a family member due to coronavirus. So the response to the pandemic, immigration, you know, over the past couple of years, I think people 
people have gotten an unfair uh, representation and unfair perception of, of immigration. Um, and I think all of those issues need for me personally, that's leading to why it's important for me for this election um, to get out and make my voice heard. It affected a lot of people in, in all ways. I mean, not just health-wise, but economically as well. A lot of people were either furloughed, they've lost their jobs, and that just spirals. As you can see, it's a domino effect. But there's a lot of people out there still looking for work. Um, I think as a country, we can do a lot better. A common thread that we have kind of touched upon is accessibility, right? Accessibility to resources, accessibility to information. And ultimately, what we also want this episode mm -hmm. to, to touch upon is, you know, important information for, you know, the Latinx community, for the Latino community, for the Hispanic community to know for these upcoming elections. Let's debunk some myths, some common myths that are misinterpreted by Latino community, especially right now with the controversy of mail-in voting and, well, I'm sure you have a lot more to say. Um, the one you're hearing uh, that you're talking about right now specifically is some people call it absentee voting. Um, some people call it uh, vote by mail, basically voting by mail. You go request your, you know, at the Board of Elections or you do it online now, you request that you get sent your ballot to your house. It's Board of Election prints it, puts it in an envelope, mails it to your house. You vote from the comfort of your house. You mail it back to the Board of Elections. Board of Elections counts it, and that's, you know, that's the process. It's completely legal. It's completely safe. Our current president, Donald J. Trump, <laughs> has voted by mail before. When he was running for president, he voted by mail. Our former president, Barack Obama, voted by mail. So it's definitely a safe and easy process to do. You don't even have to pay for stamps because the em the envelope that you have to mail it in back in is already paid for by the Board of Elections. It's a completely safe system. It's been going on for more than 20 years. If you are a member of our armed forces, you're able to request your ballot. And what's the only way to get their ballot is by mail. You know, being sent this mail, they fill it out and they send it back. So if it's safe enough for our veterans and our armed forces to vote that way, why is it then suddenly not safe enough for, for everybody to do it? Like, it makes no sense. I'm glad you're you're really clearing that up because it really is a huge concern. And to be honest, I myself am just taking it upon myself to just go turn in my ballot to one of the drop-off um, locations that they have, just because I don't know, like you say, like you say, it it is a misconception. But for me, that that makes me feel more secure. I know that you you've already voted, right? I I was stalking Pancho, and I know he voted because of Instagram. <laughs> Yes. So I requested my ballot back in September, or no, in August. It was in August. Requested my ballot. It got mailed to me a week and a half ago. Took me five days to fill it out because local elections matter. So I was looking down the ballot and then sealed it. And I literally waited in my front porch in my desk and I waited for the postwoman to come and I can give it to her. And I took a picture with her because we need to save the U.S. Postal Service as well. And that was it. Like, this is the first time I voted by mail. It was super easy mm -hmm. this year because of there's so many ballots being sent out. The Board of Elections actually sent me an email with a tracker where I'm able to see how long it was going to take, which like stopping points the, my ballot was taken before it got to my house. And right now I'm able to also track it in the other way around where like all the scans that it's been going through, all the, all the departments and all the other post offices that it's stopping by before it gets to the Board of Elections. 
at the end of the day, it's accessibility to voting. Mm -hmm. There's always talk about, well, election day should be a federal holiday because it's a Tuesday. Who has time to go vote on a Tuesday? And that's exactly part of the problem that they're not telling you not to vote, but like you have to go to work if you and if there's a line at the at your polling location, like you can't wait because you have to get that you have to get to work. Train delay, same thing, you know. So that's why they open. You can vote early, so you don't have to wait until election day to vote. It's not that it's the future, but it's been the norm that people can vote by mail, and it's one of the many options people have. Uh, I had a friend fill out. Um, they were filling out their ballot. Um, and they had to put it away because not only do you have to vote, obviously, for the for the presidential elections, but judges and other representatives, local representatives, right? Like you mentioned. And so they were like, you know what? I have to put it away because I have to do research. What are our listeners going to see when they get their mail-in ballot? Uh, what do you recommend? And I, I mentioned this because uh, I'm a TikToker. Um, I was on TikTok <laughs> and... They said something that really um, concerned me, and I want—I don't know if it's true. They mentioned that if um, that you have to sign your mailing ballot, and if it doesn't match your signature from your license, it's void. Is that true? Yes and no. Okay. Okay. So, so when you guys turned eighteen, I mean, that was the first thing I did was I should vote when I turned eighteen. But your voter registration is based on the signature you put when you first register to vote. So that first sheet, that, that sheet that you signed when you registered to vote when you were 18, that's technically your signature that has to match. What if you don't remember? The reason that they say that it's the one from your license is because it's probably like real young. My signature has evolved. My signature on my license is still from like from the first time I renewed it when I was 21, when I was closer to 18. So like it matches what I turned in when I registered to vote. And this is the case for um, for everybody. So if you if your grandparents registered to vote and they haven't changed the registration, they haven't updated the registration because they've lived in the same house for so many years, that same signature that they registered with 50 years ago is still the same signature that will appear at the Board of Elections. So yes, when you fill your envelope, you have to sign the front of the, you either have to sign inside the envelope or outside of the envelope, which is the case in Illinois, and then you send it in. So they were checking those signatures and they were checking the system. And basically four or four, five people were making the, a decision for you to say that like, all right, this signature matches this signature or like they would see that it had definitely your signature had evolved. But, you know, they'd be able to recognize, oh, they still do this loop here. You know, whenever he writes the F, the C's are still the same as when he signed, you know, 50 years ago. If it was a completely different signature, like they wrote in their name in cursive and then they printed their name as their signature, they would be not technically throughout your ballot, but they would send you a letter in the mail and say, you have the opportunity to come and challenge that decision that the Board of Elections did so that your ballot can be counted. And that's the process as it is in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's not the process that you see every single in every single state or in every single board of elections because, you know, there's different rules, there's different laws that account for everything. In Chicago, you're able to send in your ballot as long as it's postmarked on or before election day, it will count. Whereas in Michigan, which is literally a two-hour drive from Chicago and a two-hour drive from Illinois, it has to be, the board, your ballot has to be in the box office of the Board of Elections on Election Day. If it gets there and it's postmarked from five days before, but it gets there on Wednesday, it will not count. So it's really a, a matter of decision of the Board of Elections by law or by rule how they count or how they account to make sure that 
every single vote is counted. So for those that don't remember their signature, what do they do? One of the easiest things that people can do is they can update their voter registration. The easiest way to do that is they can fill out a what we call a paper registration and they sign the new thing and they just send it in and that will update your signature for the future election. If you're planning to vote by mail, that's for sure that you're signing the same signature you did when you were 18. Or if you updated your voter registration, make sure that you're or constantly updating your registration status. That's a great tip. Thank you. So TikTok does not lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's why they want to ban it, right? There's 32 million eligible voters. Uh, Latino voters. And again, Latina Vote was created to help increase the number of Latina voters, but not just Latina, um, voters in general, right? Anyone can follow us and receive our information. I think Latinas, as I have mentioned before, are in a unique position within our families to be. So I'm an avid voter, but what am I doing to get my cousins, to get my extended family, my aunts, my uncles, siblings to go out and vote? My friends and family already go out and vote and do that, but spreading that message, I think is just reinforcing the importance of voting. Um, and then they can there then share that information. So it's a domino effect. You get that momentum going, you get that message going. And as Latinas, I think, you know, being leaders within our families, we can get that message out and make it loud and clear that, hey, voting is important. And so that's really the message that I wanted to, to convey. There are people that, that aren't eligible to vote, whether it be um, their status within the country, as far as uh, immigration goes, or, you know, they may not be there, maybe they're in high school, or a number of other reasons that maybe they're just not eligible to vote. Um, but what you can do in order to help increase the number of voters or promote is social media is a great tool sharing that information for your friends and family to see um, and then having those conversations with voters with, with people that can vote and letting them know why it's important to you um, just because you can't vote doesn't mean that these decisions are not affecting you these decisions are affecting every person who lives here in the u.s so you know again taking time to see why these decisions are important to you and if you're not eligible to vote going and talking to those voters and letting them know, hey, it's important that you go and use your voice because you're also affecting me and helping me as well. Putting that personal touch on it and letting them know how it relates to you, I think is one of the ways where you can help out. Um, you can also volunteer to help campaign with uh, local elections. And, you know, again, just spreading that message about voting. But I think that's probably one of the most impactful ways is to reach out to your friends and family who can vote and let them know why it's important to you that they go and do that. One of the things that I constantly hear is my vote doesn't count. And I personally, that is just, no, I, I don't think that that's true at all. Um, every vote counts and you have to look at it this way. You are using your vote as a means to get your voice heard and to let decision makers know, hey, this is where I align, this is my voice, my vote, and I'm gonna use it. And I think that's so important and so powerful. So that's an, another thing with Latina Vote is I want people to get excited about voting. And, and I know, I, I get it. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you feel like you're the little guy and no one's listening and no one's 
really speaking to you and your needs, but as a group, as a collective group, if we band together, we can start deciding and ensuring that the communities that we're growing up in um, are what we need and what what is best for our families. I think that's another thing is we can't just look at voting as for presidential elections. We also have a local and state elections, which are equally important. Voting is important at, at all levels because those are the decisions that are being made that directly impact you and your family. Someone is going to be in that position, whether you vote or not, whether you individually go out and vote. My best advice is to take some time, reflect on what's important to you, and find the best candidate that aligns with that because someone will be in that position. I'm not here to sway someone either way. So the best advice I can give is take some time, reflect on what's important to you. Use your vote as your voice to go out and cast your ballot. And so what I wanted to kind of move forward to, you know, there are different, uh, you know, members of our community and Pancho, you and I, have the great privilege of being able to vote, but some people in our community don't, like you said, like your parents. And so what are ways that people who don't have the immigration status to vote, well, how can they still play a role in campaigns, in elections? You don't have to be a registered voter to volunteer. You don't have to be a registered voter to, you know, jalarle las orejas a tus hijos, tell them that they need to vote. Um, it's a civic duty, and as long as, you know, they're promoting voting, you know, they can, it's their part of the system, they're part of the process uh, to make sure that people, you know, more people are voting, more people represent it. One of the things I learned a lot about, especially with uh, with our community, is that a lot of consultants say that, especially the, com the Latino community, we're a third-party endorsement community, where, like, somebody needs to tell, you know, somebody goes in and... I'm a campaign worker, but if I tell them to vote for somebody, they're not going to vote. But if I go in with their neighbor and their neighbor tells them that they should go out and vote, even though, you know, it's first party, second party, but the neighbor is the third party, because the third party is like recommending me, is endorsing me or is endorsing my candidate, they're going to go out and vote. Same thing happens in families, like if the abuelita... If the abuelitos are telling people to go out and vote, you know, their children, their grandchildren are going to go out and be voting. So it's definitely, you don't have to be a registered voter to recommend somebody to go vote, to recommend somebody to vote for the right person in an election. I feel like these are very trying times. And, you know, I feel a lot of hopelessness. And, and one of the things that kind of brings me some hope is voting, right? Um, that may not be the case for everyone. Many people differ opinions on voting and its effectiveness. I myself like to uh, <laughs> I like to play it safe and you know to, uh, be an active participant of our democracy. Well, I I myself am DACA. You know, before that I was undocumented. I I could tell you that I lost a lot of hope the last election. It wasn't even a surprise to me when Trump won. To be honest having DACA limits me like immensely and those that are undocumented more so. And so every time the topic of, of supporting any politician comes up, I always, I'm always hesitant. Right now, obviously, you know, we, we support Biden, right? Because he at least has a soul. But, you know, I, I can say that if I could vote, I would still have like some sort of like trouble with my conscience because he's not the ideal candidate. And a lot of people feel that way. 
And if myself is undocumented as DACA, I am discouraged from from that. What is to say that somebody that has the right to vote decides not to vote just because the candidate that's in front of them right now, again, does not represent their values, their 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 morals. Mm -hmm. I actually feel the opposite. I get mad definitely when my candidate that I wanted to win doesn't win. You know, I think it's more on uh, the way that perceives things like is Joe Biden the ideal candidate? No, but I think, you know, we have opportunity to build for the next time. Local officials represent everybody in their district, regardless if they're citizens or not, regardless if they pay taxes or not. As you can see with the president, you know, he's represented us, but he doesn't pay taxes. I work with a lot of progressive candidates. I've actually gotten to meet AOC because AOC, you know, it was a long shot uh, election. Um, and so, like, I work with a lot of long shot candidates in Illinois, in Michigan, in D.C. right now um, because they have these crazy ideas that, mm -hmm. you know, everybody should have Medicare. You know, everybody should have health insurance. Everybody, you know, we should be moving to a more green, you know, uh, environment, you know, Green New Deal, you know, because people think that these are crazy ideas. They dismiss people like that. Uh, but unfortunately, that's what people are also screaming for. And like, maybe it was, they weren't ready for this election, but next election, a lot more people are going to be voting because the voting block grows. So like a lot more people are hearing, you know, people get tired of incumbents because it's more of the same, more of the same, more of the same, and they want to change. And so like one of the reasons I got to politics personally is because I want to make sure that the right person is representing me. What do you see is the biggest roadblock for Biden to win? Because let's be honest, we don't want Trump to win. I think the biggest roadblock is probably, it's the same reason that everybody's voting for him, is that he's not Trump. And so it's not that he's inspiring people or, you know, that many people like Bernie Sanders, you know, AOC, Alexandro Ocasio-Cortez, for the people who don't know AOC. It's not that Joe Biden is inspiring people, it's that people are voting for him because he's not Trump. So mm -hmm. I think that's his biggest problem or his biggest issue is that people are perceiving Joe Biden as a way of like, oh, well, he's not Trump, so I'm going to vote for him. Oh, well, he's not Trump. When the people cast a ballot, well, he's not Trump. And so I think that's his, I think that's the biggest problem we have, he has. He needs to make sure that like he's putting out concrete ideas so that they recognize him as Joe Biden, not as not Trump. I have heard a lot of people saying, you know, that they feel very conflicted this time around for the 2020 election because like in the 2016 election, they felt like it was choosing between two evils and two evil forces and basically contemplating which was less evil, you know? And I think Joe uh, Joe Biden is is obviously more, I feel like he's more of a centrist when it comes to the Democratic Party and there's definitely more liberal people in the Democratic Party, but I personally feel like we're settling, but that's not going to keep me from voting this election year, mm -hmm. right? I'm definitely going to make sure I vote. I have a plan to vote. And I know that it's that's actually something that there's a big push for uh, I see this year is planning to vote. And like you, like you mentioned, short Latina, when you receive your ballot, sometimes people are confused. You know, who, who is this person? Who, who's, uh, you know, John Doe and what do they represent? And I was hoping, uh, Pancho, that you could share with us what are some resources that we can point our listeners to during, uh, during this voting season? One of the best local guides that I use, it's actually a pretty funny name, is like 
girl, I guess. Where it's kind of like a little spin, you know, it's not that they're disillusioned, but it's like, girl, I guess you can vote for this person. It's a voter guide. It's kind of an endorsement guide as well. So they do give, they give you information about what's at stake at that specific race. They will give you a recommendation on this, this, and this. So this guide actually goes really deep, not only into voting for the big races that we hear about, like Joe Biden, you know, Congressman could be Chuy Garcia or Marie Newman or any other congressperson, but like it goes deeper into the actual races, like judges and so girl i guess actually gives you a little scoop of like a lot of the a lot of the judges just get reelected because people just vote yes but it gives you the scoop of why the specific judge should be voted no and at the end of the day that's how you vote for judges you don't vote they're not running against each other they're running as like for retention so like should this judge keep being a judge or not i wanted to segue into the latino vote there are latinos that are voting for trump Instagram, it's at Latina Vote. We are also on Twitter, it's Latina underscore vote. And then we also are on Facebook at Latina Vote. And like I said, vote411.org is a great website and it gives you tons of information. That's one of the ones that I pull, for, pull from. And um, that is uh, put on by the National League of Women Voters, which most cities have a chapter um, and again their mission is to get out and get more women registered and ready to vote just in general overall there's been an increase in registered voters um, and that being said especially in a heavily populated area like san antonio with latinos it's pretty safe to say that there has been an increase latino voters specifically and so i won't know until i get those numbers but i'll definitely be sharing that on latina vote personally one of the biggest changes that i've seen in the political arena is the level of respect that's given from both sides i think more than ever we need unity at this time i think that there have there has been a lack of respect for the office of the presidency and i mean that in regards of information that's coming out from that office and i think people can agree on both sides um, that things could be a lot better politics has typically been one of those subjects where you don't really discuss with family members or friends it's, lately it's been out in the open and people are more vocal about it and sharing their opinions about it, which I think is a good thing. It, it creates time for conversation and for you to share, um, you know, your opinions on things. But I can't imagine being in that position where you're having to, I guess, quote unquote, go against, you know, your parents on, on what you believe. So that's one of the things that my recommendation is, again, to just reflect. That's one of the things that I think that is, is important to do now. And that's why I'm so excited for the event that we have going on later on today. It's because it's about self-care. And I think especially now, um, given just the climate of what's going on, having time to reflect and self-care are very important. And that's what I would recommend to any young person who finds themselves um, in a difficult spot like that, is to just reflect and do what's best for, for themselves. And your parents are gonna love you. <laughs> They're not gonna stop loving you. Um, and so, um, you know, that's my, my advice. And to have those conversations with them, I think dialogue and, and having those maybe sometimes difficult conversations is important. Um, and just setting boundaries too. 
um, you know, before you have those conversations saying, hey, we're just here to talk. Um, I love you. I want to make sure that, you know, at the end of this, we're in a good space. Um, but I'm just, I want you to know where I stand on these issues and how I feel. One of the things that, you know, I just want to make sure that everyone is aware is of the resources that are there. So if you are needing to find, um, you know, early voting dates or polling information or candidate information, you can go to vote411.org or vote.org. Those are two of the resources that I typically use to get information. Um, and I found that they're very helpful and very easy to use. Um, they both have information in Spanish as well, which I think is very important too. It's a very easy uh, button at the top of the webpage and you can switch it over to Spanish um, and it gives you everything in, in Spanish, which I think is awesome. Um, and you can share that with your family and friends as well. Take time to reflect on how you feel and where you where your values are within those selection um, and just go and vote. Use your, your voice to do that. Please don't think that your, your vote doesn't count because you know these decisions affect you, whether you go out there and, and vote or, or not. Every All the decisions that are being made um, up in DC or at the local and state level affect you and your family. So please go out and vote. My name is Amanda and I am the founder of Latina Vote. And what makes me nerdy are my classes. Why has there been an increase of the Latino vote for his party? These campaigns have so much money that they're able to kind of advertise what they want. So if they want to advertise the fact that there's, you know, it's not that there's more Latinos, you know, that are voting for Trump or anything. It's just that, you know, they've been there. Like there's Latinos that voted for Trump, you know, even in 2016, like he got some votes from the community is that what they're able to advertise so like when you're watching the news and the news has the option to report about stuff it's like well what are you going to report on oh wait there's latinos supporting trump that's crazy let's go report on that and so they'll take their camera and they'll go talk with the people with the latinos who are saying that they support trump you know they go it kind of also happen with you know african-americans for trump same thing you know they oh there's a group of african-american folks that um, are supporting trump they grab the camera and went and they interviewed the head of the of the organization of blacks or african-american for trumps i don't know what it's called and you know they got on the news like it's not that they weren't there it's that they've always been there and it's just a matter of like who's able to scream the loudest what you hear in the news like what you hear like yeah there's been latinos supporting trump is that's not something that um why they're supporting him i have no idea <laughs> i don't know who these clowns are but <laughs> i actually know a clown um i know a trumper Un unfortunately i actually have an uncle who's a Trump supporter. What I what I've seen in kind of the arguments, I you know, we're speculating like why are there Latinos for Trump? And I feel like a a, a lot of, you know, rhetoric rhetoric that I saw on their Facebook pages before unfollowing them was about like second amendment rights and really just it it comes uh, down to now like a loyalty where regardless of what he does or what he says, He's right. It's forgivable. It's being portrayed the wrong way. It's it's fake news. So honestly, I'm I'm not trying to give a, an exact answer as to why Latinos vote for Trump, especially based off of one person's experience. But what I am trying to say is that I think there are deeper conversations that need to be held, um, especially because, like I said, I don't communicate with my uncle. But I do think that it would be productive to have a conversation. For me, the question is, 
uh, whether it's possible. <laughs> we also had a Democratic primary, and you know, there's obviously a lot of young folks and a lot of people were supporting Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden was almost always in the, being covered. And one thing that I always find that funny is that people who were supporting Bernie Sanders would always say, oh, that's corporate media, you know. And then they would jokingly always say fake news too. And then I would always hear it also from Trump, from the Trump people saying they're like, oh, that's fake news. A lot of this, you know, Trump is not taking a new playbook. He's just taking playbook that was written by someone and he's just rolling with it. Because at the end of the day, you ask a Trump person and like a Bernie person, like what they're tired of, they're going to say they're tired of the government. They're tired of, you know, um, they're tired of politicians making decisions for us that we need an outsider. And so their solution is somebody that like Bernie, who is an outsider, even though he's been a politician for so many years, he's an outsider to the system because he's not, he's not technically, he's an independent candidate. He's an independent senator. And same thing with Trump. He is somebody who is not part of the system and has basically done made his system his own. There's a lot of similarities between like what Donald Trump does and what the, you know, Bernie campaign did. Like ask anybody why they're voting for their candidate, you're going to get a lot of the same issues. Like they recognize that poverty is an issue. The problem is that Republicans or Trumpers think that they should be solved this way and, you know, us, you know, leftists believe that it should be solved this other way. That's the problem of politics that we just want to do stuff different ways. Absolutely. I kind of want to segue into something different. Um, Short Latina, do you have anything else to touch upon? I think that's a whole episode. <laughs> I think it would be, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know that we will have a Trumper on, on this podcast because I don't want to give platform to them. Um, but I would like to hear from listeners who um, who do have family members who are Trumpers and their families have been separated because of, of, of their views. I think it's an important conversation. It's important to have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're very tough conversations, but like I said, I think they're very necessary. But really what I wanted to uh, segue into was the closing of the show. So Pancho, we are starting this new thing on season two where we're asking our guests what makes them nerdy. And so what makes you nerdy, Pancho? What makes me nerdy is the fact that I have the privilege of working in campaigns and, you know, being able to, you know, work with people and, you know, make sure that I get elected. And if people ask me a question, I'll more than happy be able to answer anything they want about policies and, you know, what I, what's my thought on who's going to win this election. Your votes matter. If it didn't matter, there wouldn't be so many people trying to prevent you from voting. That's what they want you to think. So guys, go out and vote. Vote for Joe Biden. If you don't vote for Joe Biden, vote down the ballot. Vote for your judges. Every single race matters this year, guys. And they matter every year. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Please share us, review us, and send us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also like to thank our guests and Madera Once for allowing us to use their beautiful music for this episode. Please join us in the next episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. <laughs>